So let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hey there, welcome to Outposts of Heaven, the podcast. Hey guys, it's Andrew. And I'm Emily. And today we have Lauren Marks with us. We're really excited to have him. He's an awesome guy. He's really inspirational. And um, as Emily and I were thinking about people that we could have on that would really be able to bless your lives and be able to give you, or give us as well, practical applications on how to make your home more of an outpost of heaven, Lauren was one of the first people that came to our minds. Uh, And we've finally been able to work out a a time where we can record with him. So we're pretty excited. Very excited. So just give you a little bit of background. Uh, Lauren is a is currently a professor of family science at BYU. Formerly, he formerly worked at LSU for 13 years. He is very well known um, among or in his profession, um, and not just in academia. He what has been quoted and cited many many times on numerous Heritage Foundation uh, re- articles and research studies, uh, which for those of you who don't know is a very prestigious. Uh, think tank out in Washington, D.C. area. Um, so we're really excited to have you, Lauren. Thanks for having me, Emily and Andrew. Well, um, I just wanted to say something real quick. There's a book that I'm looking at right now. We're in his office um, on campus at BYU, and it says, it's the title is Gems That Touched My Heart. A, let me bend over and read it, a compilation of gems from the classroom of Lauren Marks. And I was flipping through it earlier, and it's just like a bunch of quotes, I think, from, was that book published by a student? It was. That's really amazing. So I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. Yeah. I mean, if someone's going to write a book about it, it's pretty amazing. Uh, Yeah, that was put together by a student, and and a lot of the best stuff in there uh, is based on comments from other students in the class, so don't be thinking too highly of me. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, is there anything else you'd like to say about yourself, Lauren, so our listeners can get a better picture of who you are or your family? You bet. I've been married to the love of my life, Sandra, for almost 24 years. Uh, We have five children, ranging in age from 21 down to 11, three girls and two boys. They're the joy of our life, and I'm I'm very fortunate to be able to do professionally something that brings me a lot of joy, and that is trying to help uh, others strengthen their marriages and families. Awesome. We're super excited to have you on. so we're going to move on to our Poe Buddies Nerfix segment. So you can, I don't know, so you can laugh a little bit. And we can, Maybe. And it, it helps us a lot. I don't know if we've said this before, but it helps us kind of. It helps me down. at least calm my nerves because yeah. I get a little uptight and nervous. So anyways, um, on Saturday, I we were going to do a recording session. And all day I was like messing with my shirt because it was uncomfortable. And I had worn it several times before, but... It was just really uncomfortable, and I was like, what is, what's going on here? Does it look funny? Is it, something's different. And so I was thinking, well, it's probably because I dried it last time. I don't usually dry it, and trying to, like, make all these excuses and come up with all these reasons. And she kept asking me, like, does it look funny? Yeah, what is wrong? And I I didn't notice, but I'm hopeless when it comes to fashion stuff, so. (laughs) (laughs) So after the recording session, we were going out to lunch, and I was just like, okay, well, I'll just check. Maybe it's on backwards, but I doubt I would be that 
I don't know, mindless to <laughs> put my shirt on backwards? I don't know. <laughs> so I checked, and sure enough, the tag was right there in the front. And Yeah, we already gone through the whole recording session, and we'd gone a couple places yeah. already, so a lot of people Hopefully had seen nobody it. noticed, but... I don't think anybody noticed, yeah. but she felt pretty It was nervous. all up high in the front and low in the back. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, there's fine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, quick note, uh, Poe Buddy's nerfing moment from me. Uh, there are many to draw from, but one takes place about five years ago when our youngest was about six years old. My wife called all the kids into the kitchen right before dinner and said, Guys, uh, I have a complaint I need to voice. I'm tired of looking over and seeing you digging through the snack cupboard as I'm finishing cooking dinner. I try hard to make delicious, healthy, nutritious meals, and if you would just be patient for another five or ten minutes, I'll have those ready. So, no snacks while I'm finishing up dinner. Everybody got it. And trying to be, you know, was this the, just to the boys or was it the boys? Oh and girls? no, this was all. This was all five of the kids. Okay. You know, she, she, of course, was talking only to the kids, not to me. <laughs> and uh, so I had to be very supportive, be the, you know, be, be super husband and. Throughout a, did y'all hear what Mama said? <laughs> no snacks during dinner. We got it, Dad. We got it, Dad. So the points driven home, and the very next day, the next day, my wife is finishing cooking dinner, and I'm in the pantry with my arms shoved elbow deep into a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos, <laughs> <laughs> and from behind me, I hear Daddy. And I whip around, and there's our six-year-old daughter with her hands, both her hands on her hips, looking at me. And she says, Daddy, what you're doing's called being a hypocrite. <laughs> Game set, match. You know, judge, jury, my wife started laughing. I did, I did not laugh. But, so that, that is a one-liner that has haunted me in the five years since. You know, uh, I I get that line now about once a week. What you doing is called being a hypocrite. So, <laughs> so trumped by a six-year-old. There you go. It's amazing oh, that man. she knew that word. Yeah. yeah. I'd say a lesson for all of us, I think. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to set rules, be re- be sure you're ready to follow them. Yeah, unfortunately. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, I guess you were going to introduce yeah, the topic, right? Yeah, I'm ready to introduce the topic if you guys are ready to dive in. Let's go. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about reading, and specifically reading with our families, reading together. And that includes scriptures and classics. Including scriptures and non-scriptures. Yeah, <laughs> this was actually really hard for us to decide, so um, Lauren responded to our request to record with him with several really important uh, principles for making your home an outpost of heaven. Uh, and we literally were up last night until like 11 trying to decide what we needed to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we prayed about it and we felt really strongly that this would be, that reading together would be a good topic to discuss. Yeah, so hopefully there is someone out there listening who's going to benefit from, from this. From I know this topic. I will. Yeah, I mean, I, I will individually, but I hope yeah. that you guys will be able to benefit from this as well. So we wanted to give a little bit of background on Emily and me uh, before we get in on this about our reading backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, just so it was, it was really what's going to happen is Lauren's going to start talking and everything's going to be awe-inspiring and we're going to try and engage with what he's saying. I want you to understand where we're coming from as we talk about this. So do you want right, to go first? Yeah, I'll time? go first. So I really enjoyed reading when I was a little kid and I remember that 
we read together as family. We, like, read scriptures together. And we also, I remember my dad coming into my room and we would read a lot, um, like, chapter books. And I remember me and my mom reading books. We just read books together a lot. I think transitioning into middle school, though, I began to hate reading. And I think it was because I was, like, it wasn't, okay, everybody go to the library and pick out your favorite book or something that you're interested in, it shifted to being, okay, we're reading this book as a class, no choice, no questions asked, we're reading it all. Which is really interesting and because your personality is generally like a people-pleasing type Right, but I, I just didn't like that, and so I think that's when I started hating reading, and I really hated it up until I was an early adult, in yeah, my I mean, early really 20s. Like 20. After we were married, right? Yeah, probably that. Yeah, because I think when we were first married, you still didn't like it. Yeah, but now, I mean, since then, I've really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. A little about me. I was not the same way as Emily. I, from as early as I can remember, I loved reading. Um, And my, when my brothers and I were in trouble, their punishment was like, you can't go outside or you have to give, you have to go sit in your room or something like that. And my punishment was they would take away my book that I was reading, (laughs) uh, which was devastating. And uh, (laughs) um, yeah, so I remember loving reading from my earliest memories. Um, I remember going to kindergarten actually, and them trying to teach us how to read. I was like, "You guys don't know how to read yet." Like, what's <laughs> Mr. Smarty Pants? <laughs> um, and that continued throughout um, throughout my whole childhood. I mean, and up until now, you still love. Yeah, reading. I still love to read. I actually got really into running after my uh, after I served a mission for my church in Russia. Because it provided me an opportunity to listen to audiobooks. And so it was like, oh, I get to wait to listen to an extra hour of audiobooks a day or however long I was running. Um, and so I, that was one reason I fell in love with, with running is because it gave me an opportunity to listen to audiobooks. Mm-hmm. And, and Emily and I have also taken – oh, sorry, what were you saying? Oh, I was going to say, so what about reading together as a family when you were a kid? Um, I don't – I know we, we have read scriptures – pretty much every night like we obviously weren't perfect and so we missed some nights but mm-hmm. we read scriptures every night or every morning depending on the the flavor of that that year's scripture reading culture uh but i, I can't remember I, I know my dad did read with with us but we we did a lot of audiobooks because we drove a lot because we lived far away from everything and i would i mean i would love to hear lauren's Lauren's background? Well, no, his opinion on audio versus reading. Oh, yeah. Maybe maybe we can address that later. Yeah. Okay. So be thinking about those those thoughts on audio versus text. Um, and But then just last thing, Emily and I, since we've been married, we've really loved taking literature courses together because we're both students. And we don't take them together together because we have the kids. Yeah, so, so I mean, we take the same course but different times. Yeah. Really. But with the same material. Yeah, so like we've taken the same course in the same semester, but just different blocks or, yeah. or different uh, time slots, mm-hmm. so that kind of stuff. And we really, really enjoyed that. And we really love Russian literature for, for obvious reasons. We both <laughs> served our mission. We both served a mission for our church in Russia, um, and so we've kind of loved Russian culture and literature since then. So that's our background. Now. Lauren, um, when we asked you for your top principles for making your home in Outpost of Heaven or making it more gospel-centered, more Christ-centered, one of the first ones you put was reading as a family. Can you just explain why why you chose that one? Yeah. uh, I was very, very fortunate to have both a mother and a dad that loved books. 
Um, when they had free time, they were reading. Uh, I had an unusual experience in that I grew up in a home without television. Uh, we didn't get a TV until I was in my teenage years, and even then, it was just uh, it was just a hookup to um, to a VCR, video cassette recorder. This is <laughs> long before the days of Blu-ray, uh, so that we could watch family movies together uh, one night a week. Um, that's a tradition that's carried into my family at present. We don't have cable TV, anything like that, but uh, we have family movie pizza night every Friday. But growing up in that home, books were our source of entertainment, not not movies, and that included both uh, individual and family reading, uh, including both scriptures and and classics. So each night our family would gather and my mom and or dad would read to us for oh, half an hour, 45 minutes um, out of out of the classics, um, Mark Twain, Jane Austen, some lighter stuff like Louis L'Amour Westerns. Um, that was a, an integrated part of our growing up years. And uh, we loved our parents. We wanted to be like them. We saw them model books as the place that you go to learn and to be entertained. And my dad, who developed a a reading program to teach young preschool age children how to read would teach us as young as as we could understand that reading is the key and what he meant by that he would tell us there's a imagine in your mind a door a large door on that door there's a lock but behind that door is all the recorded information uh, that humankind has ever had about any subject you can imagine. Mm. And all you need to get access to that glorious room with all that information is to become a reader. Reading becomes the key to unlock that door, which I, I still remember, you know, almost 45 years later, as a uh, as something that worked for me. I loved dinosaurs as a kid, so <laughs> my dad would say, can you imagine being able to go to the library and check out any book you wanted on dinosaurs and not to have to wait for mom or me to read to you before dinner at night, but for you to just crack that thing open and read as much as you wanted to. That was exciting to me, and so like most of my siblings, uh, we learned to read very young, and not because we were forced to, but because we were excited to. Right. And a weekly trip to the public library was a highlight for us mm-hmm. to, to load up. Uh, so to, to recap really quickly, I had parents who modeled a love of reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, parents who were very careful about the interference of technology, which is even tougher to do today, of course, and parents who made reading a relational experience as well as an individual experience. So that was my childhood and and background. Moving to adulthood, uh, like you, Andrew, I still loved to read. Uh, Like you, Emily, my wife, although she was a far better student than me, very, very bright uh, and capable student, somewhere along the line, her love of reading got kicked out of her. Right. And... So I thought, how, how can I try to give that gift of the love of reading back to my wife? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we were first married, we would 
um, take turns doing dishes and whoever was doing the dishes, the other would read to them out loud um, out of uh, books that we selected together. Mm -hmm. My wife was a Jane Austen fan, so we read some Jane Austens early on. So was this before you had kids? This is before we had kids. Um, Back when life was simpler. Yeah, life was a little bit simpler. (laughs) And uh, we kept, I have in a journal, a list of all the books that we've read, the significant books we've read out loud together over the years. And uh, that that helped spark that love of reading for her again. Um, she fell in love with some uh, certain strands of historical fiction, and then we were able to share that shared love of reading with our own children the way that my parents did. And I look forward to talking with you a little bit more about why that's so important. But So I, I guess what I, I want to say to the two of you is I, I feel you. Um, know what it's like to love somebody that that's had the joy of reading kicked out of them um, know, know what it's like to be a book addict on the uh-huh. other hand and and how do you how do you meld those I mean, two challenges I think if I remember right Emily and I went through a similar process of like I wanted to engage her in, in reading right I was just so uninterested for a while like he would want to read books out loud on road trips and I was like ugh like I can't pay attention like, yeah I could not pay attention. And I have really bad reading comprehension to begin with, even as a kid I did. Uh-huh. And so that was just really hard to, like, listen to you read no. something out loud. Yeah, and then I, but I what, what happened? What was the, the change? Because we, we, we said, like, hey, like, let's yeah. let's start with um, we would each pick a book. And so Emily would pick a book and we'd read it together. Mm-hmm. And then I would pick a book and I would read it. And Emily would get 30 pages into it. And then it would be like... I don't know, boring or something. And then you want to do it, and so we're like, okay, well, let's read another one of your books. And so we'd like go back and forth like that yeah. for a little bit. But we'll, I think we just have very different book interests. I don't like novels nearly as much. I have like a couple of favorites from mm-hmm. my like childhood. But like, what, what started but, that spark again? Yeah, I'm getting there. Okay, I'm, getting right, there. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I yeah, so I think that because I really love um, like self-help and nonfiction. I like to learn in very, like, reading is very interesting to me if I can read something that is very practical and I can apply it to my own life and learn something and not just enjoy an entertaining uh-huh. reading material. Which is And that still, like, today is my go-to as a nonfiction yeah. or, a, like, a self-help. And I, I listen to a lot of, or I listen and I read a lot of nonfiction books as well, but they're primarily, like, history books or... Uh, like political commentary, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, for some reason, I hate help, self-help books. I can't stand self-help I, books I, for I, some that reason. That sad, but it's okay. I don't <laughs> like novels. But um, I think as I got into like early adulthood, I was like, oh, like I want to learn more, and I want to re- read. <laughs> I want to, I want to like learn more from my own. Re- I want to read. Um, I want to learn more about very practical applicable things and I just started reading more about into that nonfiction genre mm-hmm. that's what I really love so. yeah what are your favorite books right now I know you just finished one that you loved I just finished Girl Wash Your Face and I know I'm a little behind because everybody's been talking about that for a couple of years but I just read it and I really loved that one I I would recommend it to anybody so Lauren let's let's talk about how reading, we, we talked about why you love reading or, or how it kind of developed in your family culture, but how has reading 
strengthen your relationships with your children and with your spouse? It's a great question. Um, Let me add an addendum to yeah, that. I'm sorry, as before. And specifically in the sense of, um, I mean, all strengthening of relationships brings us closer to Christ, I believe. Um, but in the sense of building up us of heaven, our goal is always to uh, bring us closer to, to Christ. And in coming closer to Christ, we come closer to each other. Because we can come closer... Mm, yeah, I'll just say that. So in that context... How has reading helped build and strengthen relationships in your family? I think one of the most marvelous things about reading is it allows you to learn vicariously through the experiences of others, whether those are nonfiction, as in history or biography, or in fiction, great fiction. Uh, You get to step into somebody else's shoes. Uh, You can learn from their experiences uh, without literally having those experiences yourself. Mm -hmm. And as a result, that can help make you a a more rounded, uh, tolerant, understanding, empathetic human being. And those are qualities that also make you a better family member. Um, You get to experience, uh, you know, you get to experience the world. of, of Huckleberry Finn as you're, you're floating down the river. Uh, you get to experience what it's like to be treated unfairly through the eyes of his friend Jim. Uh, as, as a parent, as you're reading a story, you have the chance to engage your child with some questions without getting preachy, just to throw out some probes and to help form their, their, their thinking, uh, to, to influence the way, hopefully, that they treat other people. Um, there's a particular power that comes as you're reading the stories of Jesus, uh, as you see the way that he treated others, um, whether those are uh, folks that others look down their nose at, um, the tax collectors like uh, Zacchaeus, uh, who he made time for even though others didn't like him. You get a chance to ask your kids, and how does that apply maybe to the way that you treat the kid at school mm-hmm. who's left out? Uh, how does that impact your behavior? Um, you two talked about this a little bit earlier. You're taking similar classes at the same time. Mm-hmm. And when you take that, you take that class at the same time, you have a common language. You have right. a common experience mm-hmm. that pulls you together. Yeah. A common language even. The same thing happens when you read great literature together, whether it's scriptural, whether it's classical. It gives you a dialogue, um, uh, frames of reference that pull you closer. It's it's kind of a deeper version of inside jokes. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it kind of also serves as like the impetus for or like the uh, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of words besides impetus. Well, just, just use impetus because I don't know. What okay. You're catalyst. <laughs> a catalyst. A catalyst uh, for deep conversations that you wouldn't have otherwise, uh, because it brings up controversy brings up ideas it brings up problems or it brings up um, issues that we wouldn't usually bring up like so uh, I'm trying to think of a, a good example Emily and I love Dostoevsky Dostoevsky is, our, our, is my favorite Russian author mm-hmm. probably one of my favorite authors in general yeah. um, and our favorite I think I'm going to speak for you here, but I think our favorite book is probably Crime and Punishment. 
Yeah, I really did like that one. Yeah, and but uh, on the Karenina too, it's really on the Karenina is really good. But that's by Tolstoy. But yeah. anyway, so Crime and Punishment pr- provided but, but, us yeah. an opportunity to talk about like the moral dilemma of like of murder and right. of <laughs> of like being calculating and seeing people as objects and all of these wonderful topics yeah. that really just wouldn't come up. Like in naturally everyday and conversation because our conversations are usually sparked based by our interactions and um, events going on in our life. And so reading allows us to insert events that wouldn't happen in our life regularly so that we can better understand those things and then apply those lessons to our everyday life, things that do happen to us every day. Yeah. A couple of other wonderful reasons that reading is important and that matters so much. Uh, there were... Uh, there were some studies done in the 80s, the 1980s, that they're a little dated, but it's still fascinating, that our brain activity uh, is more stimulated during rapid eye movement portions of our sleep than it is when we're watching television. Part of the wow. reason for that is when we watch TV, uh, we're being spoon-fed both audio and visual. Mm-hmm. Uh, material and when we're dreaming we're providing that for ourselves Um, you know on a lighthearted note that means most TV you know when we say hey what are you doing I'm vegging in front of the TV that's that's about right brain states about the same as a carrot stick or a celery and I often tell my kids hey you know you got a great book you can read instead of watching TV you know being the nagging dad I tell them I love you. You know, TV makes you stupid. Books make you smart. I want you to be smart. Um, yeah. A little abrupt and maybe even offensive, but it's it's said in good good humor. Um, when when we imagine uh, our imaginative machinery, it, it 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 gets worked. It gets exercised in the same way that a muscle gets exercised, and you get better and better your your creative juices flow mm-hmm. and uh, so clearly cognitively there are benefits to reading mm-hmm. there are emotional benefits as I talked about earlier when we read deeply especially great literature we learn about emotional connections between people um, how do we treat people as ends instead of objects mm-hmm. you know the theme in crime and punishment how, how do we remember that, that those who are blessed with less than us are just as human as us. And uh, a lesson that's taught in Jane Austen's Emma, you don't look down your nose or treat people poorly just because they're less privileged. They're not objects. Th- these are emotional and moral lessons we can learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can also, interestingly, uh, learn particularly when our kids are young through physical contact, uh, both the psychological and, and the, the familial empirical literature indicate that we need touch. We need touch the same way that we need food and water. Mm-hmm. Um, none of us perhaps get cuddled, held um, as much as, as we need. We need it not only in childhood but up into adulthood. But when you take a child and you're holding your child on, a, on, on your lap and you're reading a book, it may be the perfect, the ultimate developmental uh, work 
uh, contribution that you can make to a child because as you're reading that book, you're stimulating their psychological development, their emotional development through the touch. There's the connection and the relational development that you're stimulating. And if you're fortunate enough to be reading a nice sacred text, an illustrated copy of the New Testament, for example, um, they're also getting some spiritual development. It's very, very difficult to find a, uh, an activity that would approach the wide array of developmental benefits you can get from simply reading to your children. I think it's almost impossible to overstate the power and the benefit that can come from that activity. Mm-hmm. Well, I think anyone who's engaged in this conversation, who's listening to this, is probably convinced of the power of reading now. Uh, I, I think a struggle that a lot of our listeners, a lot of young families have, or maybe families even with older kids, is uh, children who ha- show little to no interest in reading, or show or have who really struggle with reading comprehension. So we we have several f- friends we know of uh, with kids like this who really struggle to one desire to read, two uh, understand what they're reading once they're reading, and then remember it. Uh, after you know, five minutes after they finish, or reading. even being able to sit still for yeah, sure. more than two minutes at a time. So for those people, and I, I think people, if you're in that situation, I think you are probably in the majority. I think a lot of there, a lot of people have children like this. Uh, speaking to those people, what what can they do to help their children kind of develop this, develop their desire to read, and develop their reading comprehension? And I imagine those two are very interconnected. They are like any other skill. Reading, uh, reading is something that that develops uh, with practice, and based on the the research of of Erickson and others, uh, it takes ten thousand hours of of practice to become expert at something. There there are no shortcuts. We we do have different talents and abilities as readers, um, or as hope. Hopeful readers. Um, very quickly, a, a psychologist, a, an educational psychologist named Howard Gardner, developed uh, what he calls different different learning styles. Called, isn't it, his book called yeah. Multiple Intelligences? It, it is, and uh, you, you learn very simply. You asked earlier, hey, you know, what about audio books versus mm-hmm. reading? Some folks are audio learners. Right and learn very, very well through their ears. Some don't. Some are visual. Mm-hmm. And for them, the written text is, is wonderful and powerful, uh, where, where the, the audio version is, is not as helpful. Um, however, I think that each can build off the other. Mm-hmm. And there are little opportunities that you can look for uh, as a parent of either young children all the way up into the teens to try to meet your children where they're at. The wonderful thing about reading is that there are books on every topic imaginable. Mm -hmm. And so if you take the approach, um, as a a good friend of mine once coached me, Lauren, you've got to start meeting people where they're at instead of where you wish they were at. Mm -hmm. In other words, uh, when it comes to interests, figuring out what your kid is interested in and meeting them there, 
helping the reading world to be exciting. Right. I mentioned as a four, five, six-year-old kid, I was crazy about dinosaurs. Bored my mother to tears, <laughs> but my mom and dad were wise enough to say, hey, son, um, let's, let's go to the library and we'll start out with the beginning books on dinosaurs. And then as, as you read those, you can read as much as you want. And by the time I was about seven years old, I'd read everything in, in the small public library on dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Not because I was a genius, but because I was crazy about dinosaurs. Right. And I started to burn out and I thought airplanes were cool. Mm -hmm. My parents were flexible enough to, to start feeding me airplane books. What I would say to parents is you have the advantage over your child's teacher. Uh, elementary, junior high, high school, you have the advantage over them and that you know what makes your kid tick. You know what is most interesting to her mm -hmm. or him, and you can try to meet them where they're at. Not just in terms of buying books on that topic and putting them in their hands, but engaging them in conversation, listening to them, um, moving a little beyond the purview of just reading itself. I urge moms and dads to remember that there are there are pronounced benefits that come from family rituals, doing things together as a family. But there's a special power that comes when you get one-on-one -on, -one on a mommy date or a daddy date, when you're with that child one-on-one. -on -one. And if you are willing, not just to encourage your child to read, but to read the same book that they're reading, and then to go on that mommy date and to say, haven't you loved the first Harry Potter? Um, what's been your favorite part? What are, you, what are you learning most? That that tends to suck your child in um, to, to a dialogue that it seems to be about whatever you're reading. But what, what you're saying in the subtext is, you matter to me, daughter or son. You matter so much to me that I am going to meet you where you're at. Mm -hmm. This is not about pounding uh, a reading skill into your head. It's, it's about trying to find a dialogue that we can share so that we can unite, become closer together, enjoy life together, learn more about life together. And what parent wouldn't want that for their child, whether they're 2 or 22? Yeah, I think that's, that's profound, this, I, this idea of, um, as a parent, we all want our children to have all the skills they need to succeed. And we understand that reading is, for most professions, for most pathways in life, reading is one of the keys to that, to that success. And so you want to pound it in, like, get this skill, get this skill. But this idea of, of engaging their interest in order to develop a skill instead of developing a skill and hoping it becomes an interest. Yeah. I think it's awesome. That's really cool. Well, thank you so much for being able and willing to sit with us and chat about this topic. Yeah, it's been a joy. Um, to all the listeners out there, uh, I envy you the pleasure of getting to fall in love with books with, with your kids. <laughs> Mine are past that age. Uh, whether it's scriptural, classical, hopefully both, uh, that'll be a, a meaningful part of your life, sharing such literature with your kids. Well, that's, I, I think I've learned a ton from, from this conversation, so I really appreciate you coming out. Uh, do you mind leaving our listeners with your, say, your top three favorite books? Oh, good idea. 
Oh boy. Uh, and Emily and I that you've liked to read with your family. Yeah. Oh, oh, reading with my yeah. family. Yeah, Emily and I will try to do the same thing. Oh, it's a great question. Um, three of our all-time favorites that we've read as a family would include uh, Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. It was written initially as a, a serial in a magazine, and so it leaves you hanging on the edge of your seat at the end of every chapter. And so <laughs> it's easy to get the kids excited about uh, reading the next night when you leave them hanging. Uh, another is a beat-to-death now illustrated copy of New Testament stories mm-hmm. um, that, that our kids kids loved. The, the King James Version was a little bit heavy for them as, as young kids, but uh, having, having the visual pictures there was a kick for them. Uh, they loved Jesus. It was fun for them to see how he interacted with other people. Uh, that's got to be on the short list. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and, and there are several editions of illustrated Bible stories. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it matters much in this case because it's the Spirit. It's your own faith uh, your own testimony that shines through that means more than the written text. A third I'll close with is Heidi by Johanna Spirey. Um, story of a little little German girl. It's a wonderful feel-good story about how a child can change and impact the world of adults. That's such a good one. Yeah, it, it's marvelous yeah. and inspiring for kids to, to hear that. And of course that's true. Yeah. Children can change our world as adults. It's a, it's a great book because uh, a young girl is the heroine on multiple fronts. Mm-hmm. All right, well, thank you. So thinking of, thinking of ours, I think, how many do you have, hun? I have one, and we haven't read it together, but I really want to read it. Okay, well, I have three that we have read together. Oh, okay. Okay, so the first one that Emily and I have read together that I really love was um, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Yes. So we really we really we love C.S. Lewis, um, and we read it back and forth as we drove we drove back and forth between Salt Lake and Provo for mm-hmm. f- various family events. Um, that one is really cool. It's about, um, I mean, how do they... How do you describe it in short? Just go read it. Just go read it. It's really great. <laughs> yeah, it's C.S. Lewis. It's awesome. It's uh, about C.S. Lewis's concept of of heaven and hell and what that looks like. Yeah. yeah. It's like it put makes this, he creates this metaphor about um, like a journey that people take after they've died. Yeah. So like they get off of a bus and they are going to different like... He illustrates heaven and hell by different like landscapes, and it's yeah, it's it's really awesome. You just awesome. have to read it. It's, it's so a short good. read too. It's really it's good. It's really small. Um, small another one we also in our family have the uh, some illustrated scripture, um, yeah, illustrated stri- scripture books. Uh, I really enjoyed reading them with Hiram and as a family because we read them in mm-hmm. Russian because we're teaching our, our children Russian, and mm-hmm. and for a long time I thought he wasn't getting a single thing out of it at all. Because <laughs> we'll we'll start reading and he'll sit down for a second and then he'll point out Jesus on the pictures and then he'll run around and start playing with blocks or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but what did he say the other day when you, when you were putting him down? Oh, it was so sweet. So I was like, we were out of routine and we were staying. It was just me and and or me and Hiram. I was putting him to bed and Andrew was away for some reason. Yeah, I had something to do that night. But or something. I was like, okay, well we'll just say prayers. And Hiram was like, mommy. We forgot scriptures. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh. 
Like, you do know. You do like, notice. You do pay attention. Yeah. Um, so that, that one was really good. That's yeah. payday. It um, is, yeah. And hi, I also, my Hiram, my son, and I also share uh, Lauren's deep love of dinosaurs. And so Hiram has a dinosaur book. And I love to read that dinosaur book with him so much. And so is we, that that giant cardboard one? Yeah, it's one of those thick cardboard books. It's... And then there's like But a, it's not like a kid's kid's book. No, like, it's like a... It's got like tons of facts. Like yeah. It's one of those like, there's a picture on the page, but then there's like tons of it's random It's probably facts. like eight-year-olds, probably, that age. Maybe. So like you open up the page, you open, yeah, you open up each page, and then on there's a big picture of a dinosaur doing something, and then it says the name, where they lived, uh, what they ate, their habits, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I really love that, uh, reading that with Hiram, because Hiram loves dinosaurs, and we like we'll read it, and then he'll say, "Let's play dinosaurs." Right after that, and he's like, "You be this dinosaur, and I'll be this dinosaur," mm-hmm. and then we'll play dinosaurs for a while. And so that's so been, it's like engaging him in like creative play too. Yeah, and so it's been really fun to one read something we both. Are, I'm actually really interested in in dinosaurs, and on my own and so being able to share that interest with him is really cool Uh, I've tried to get him interested in some other things that I was hoping he'd be interested in like (laughs) tanks and planes but he's not Not quite there but he's into dinosaurs so we're we're milking all we can milking the dinosaurs for everything we can (laughs) Um, and so that's that's led to a lot of really good um, moments for for Hiram and me yeah Um, some books that Andrew doesn't love these books but and I I used to not like them the No David books I, I don't love no David I books. I used to not like them because I was like, this book is full of ideas of how to misbehave. <laughs> but really, like, as we've been reading them over and over and over and over again with Hiram, so like... So many times. He knows what not to do. Like, I, he's not taking it as this is a book of ideas of things that I can do wrong, you know? Uh-huh. Like, he's never colored on the walls. Like, And I feel like that's because of the no David And for like, some reason, there's an, like in every single no David book, I feel like there's a, a page where David takes off his pants and runs outside. Yeah, Hiram has that. not done that quite yet. <laughs> but he hasn't done it. But I just think like he is learning from that. Like, oh, like, these are misbehaviors. You know, like we shouldn't behave this yeah, way. So and so I do, I do like them because of that. And they might be growing on me a little bit, but yeah. they're still not my favorite. I, I would r- rather read other books with him. Yeah. But I feel like that's very much meeting him at his level. Yeah, so, definitely. No because he, he loves those books. For whatever reason. Yeah. I think he likes that David has really sharp teeth, like a dinosaur. Have you noticed that? <laughs> yeah. He's like, really, like really like dagger teeth. Yeah. And he, for some reason, identifies strongly with David. <laughs> yeah. Which is disturbing. But. Anyways. That's where he's at. Yeah. Well, cool. again, thank you for, for being with us. If our listeners are, uh, have been intrigued or moved by things you've said, is there a way that they can. Like reach out to Reach you out to or... you or follow you or anything like that? Absolutely. Um, my email is Lauren, L-O-R-E-N, underscore Marks, M-A-R-K-S, at byu.edu. All right, so we'll put that in the show notes, and we'll try and... Link up all of the fun books and... Yeah, all the books. All of the deets. All, so many things. Yeah. This will be a long list of, of show notes. So... All right, well, that's it. <laughs> I feel like we've wrapped and wrapped and wrapped. I know, up, but, I know. Okay. Well, we'll see you next Thursday. All right, keep the faith.